Hello and welcome to another episode of St. George's Rod and Stuff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr with the chapelries of St. Mark the Evangelist and St. Monica Westbeck. I am Lindsay Shooters and I am joined as always by the leader of our parish, the Venerable Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. How are you, Father? Good morning, Lindsay. I'm doing okay. Thank you very much. And I'm enjoying the, the lovely weather we have, of, particularly when it's raining. Um, and for God's blessings for filling up our dams, which is much needed, particularly at this time. And my family is doing all well, well, and I hope the same for your family and you. Uh, yes, yes, my family is doing well. I am enjoying the weather as well, just not the wind so much. I have a personal <laughs> um, issue with the wind. Yes, yes. I, well, I won't call it quite hatred because I understand its importance in, in the world, yes. but I, I'm not a big fan of the wind. Um, Absolutely. It can ruin my day very quickly. And Father, would you please just take us through the collect, call everybody to pray, and then we can dive straight into what is probably a quite a meaty conversation. I will indeed do that. Good morning, everybody. Um, on this, the fourth Sunday after Pentecost, we have been told that the, we are reaching the peak of the COVID-19, particularly in the Western Cape. This week, we also um, thank Marion, um, um, who will be talking about her own experience with a, a drugs issue. Uh, Friday pass was International Awareness of Drugs again, so we're grateful for her testimony um, and in the light of those local themes and realities, we now will proceed with the praying of the collect for this week, the fourth Sunday after Pentecost. Let us pray together. Faithful God, your love stands firm from generation to generation. Open our hearts to hear your word, that we may seek Christ's presence in everyone we meet, through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Father, the first reading, Romans chapter 6, verses 12 to 23, it ends on one of my favorite talking points of the Bible, Verse 23, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to read it in, in, in the words that, that I most associate with it. For the wages of sin are paid with death, but God's free gift is eternal life in union with Christ Jesus our Lord. So why I read Amen. it that way is, is because if the wages are death, who decides what the sin is? Like, who decides what is sin? And if I could just have a couple of words for you, like, where do you stand on that question? Yeah. The first um, uh, um, um, response mentally to you uh, would be that in our prayer book, when we look yeah. at the section on confession and absolution, in the introduction, we're given four areas of what sin is and to, against whom we sin. But it's described in this way, as I can recall, that sin is a disobedience against God. So the reality of God, the presence of God uh, in the world, in, in eternity, in all of time uh, and, uh, and, and out of time, um, uh, uh, when we do things that is not part of the will of God, then we 
um, we, we, we understood that to be sin um, because of its sense of disobedience and because of what sin does. It separates us from our Creator and it separates us from the person to whom we are doing wrong. I just want to go back to a part of the text that said um, earlier on. Um, in verse 13 it says, Nor must you surrender any part of yourselves to sin to be used for wicked purposes. So any, so sin is an action um, that's, that be, can be intentional most of the time and it's used to come up with a wicked intention, a wicked purposes. Yes. So, 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 um, and now, now the whole area of original sin comes into play. Yes. <laughs> You've kind of preempted my, my, my question. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, I know that, um, again, in the traditions of the church, original sin is very, is very much emphasized by those who claim to be evangel evangelical. Um, because evangelicals, in my view, loves to emphasize our sin. Whereas we, as, as the Anglicans, have a sense of saying, but the grace of God is bigger than our sin. So we lean more on the, the expression of God's grace. That's why sacraments are so important to us. Because we are saying in spite of our sinfulness, the inward working of God's grace is more than our sin. However, that must then lead us to confession. Now, in the original sin, uh, it has to take us back to a story around Adam and Eve. Yeah. Now, again, here we have a problem in that even though... The, even though in the, the Bible is not used for historical purposes, history is a vehicle to tell the story of faith and to tell the story of God. So some of the stories that we do have, and look, if you think about, um, um, I, I, I may have said this on, 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 on one of our previous <laughs> talks because the themes sort of seem to be consistently arising uh, during the Lenten period. Sin is a very focused theme. Yeah. But we see it also coming up now because that's the reality we live with. And my grandmother, when we were small, used to say to us at, at noon, run around the, the yard in an anti-clockwise. So you would then, in your rational understanding of what she's asking, you would say, Mama, why should we do that? Yeah. And she would say, so that the devil doesn't catch you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so we, we, could con we could confuse the devil at noonday every day by running around in an anti-clockwise. <laughs> and he won't have the ability to catch us. It's the same of, of like not going into your house on the stroke of midnight if you get home late. Um, so that right? the, the, the spirit, evil spirits don't come with you. <laughs> yeah. Or you go, you go in backwards. You mm. walk in backwards is another way that, that they is. said that. Uh, so, so people tell stories where there's no historicity uh, that you can actually link it back to, but it's story with an effect yeah. to, to bring over a, a meaning of life. So was my granny saying to me that if I exercise this noonday thing, this noonday ritual, right? 
Yeah. And she came, she came from the Mackerel land. So again, one needs to go back to her context and say, okay, so to avoid sin, because sin has to do with the devil, yeah. I must not run around in an anticlockwise, and that way I'll be avoiding the devil's catch on me because he's going to provoke me to, to, to sin. So what, what was my granny's theology now? I'm, I'm, about not sin. In, <laughs> I'm not entirely <laughs> sure. Well, I, I, you know? I, I wonder where these stories come from. I, I wonder why they were created. And like I, I study, I study a lot of like origins of, of, of oral traditions and that sort of thing. But there's, there's just no logical reason in my brain that says like, why, why were you so scared of, of the devil? Like, why would you embody it in, in that sort of ritual? But but isn't it isn't it in the power of story, you can you can have control over your life. In the power of story, you can be able to deal with what you, what you what is either reality or assumed reality. Yeah. So, for example, when when they came together to ask the question, so only after the liberation from Israel from Egypt. Did Israel go back and say, well, if this God did what he did to liberate us and he had the power of the creation at his, at his uh, the, he had power over creation to do his work yeah. or her work, then let's look at him not just as liberator God, but now as creator God. And so they took them back to, to, to the story of of creation. And I mean, the most beautiful stories of creation exist in chapter one and chapter two of creation, though differently told by, by different uh, schools of thought. Um, and so then in this beauty that God created, which he saw good, where then yeah. does evil come in? And look, I don't think there's any faith tradition, any philosophy that disputes the reality of evil and wickedness. We cannot even, when we look at how... Um, how we as human beings with rationality act, we mm. end up doing evil, there must be something in us that would, uh, that would suggest that this is, we, we think evil, yeah. we speak evil, we can act in evil. So where, there must be an intention. So where did all of this come in? And so we, we have the Adam and Eve story in the garden where, where if you did what God wanted to do at creation, Given that he was generous, or God, that God was generous um, to providing all you needed, how come you able to allow um, yourself to fall into the sin of disobedience? And of course, the, the story tells us, um, do you know the reason why God told you not to eat it? <laughs> Have you rationalized what his intention was for you not to do it. Because if you, if, you, if you did eat of this fruit, you will have the same power as God. You will have the power over life and death. So inevitably, the, 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 when, we, when we disobedient against God, we are saying, God, you're not God to me. I'm God to myself. What was the very first commandment? Thou shalt have no other gods but me. Human beings have the ability, have the ability to create gods. 
That we do. So, so I just want to walk it a little bit back. So, um, as you know, I'm, a, I'm an evolutionist. I'm a man who believes in science and the power of people and how we have moved society forward. Um, and therefore, I am also open to accepting our personal failings. So I, I do agree with you. Um, I, I don't think you, you meant to make the point that evil exists inside us. I, I, I get very... I, I, I don't like the idea that like evil is driven by this external force um, and that we are but helpless little bystanders to this battle of good and evil of like God over the devil and that sort of thing. No, we're not. I, I firmly believe that we are not. Evil exists inside us given, as I said last week, I believe that if you had to strip all the laws out of society, we would descend into chaos very quickly. If there were no consequences, <laughs> legal consequences for doing bad deeds, um, we would all do bad deeds. So then, like, you, you look at, like, when Moses was leading the people out of but, Egypt. But just, but, just be, yeah? but just before you go on, therefore, is there a thing called natural law? Yes, there is. And, okay, um, now, now go on with Moses. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure you and I are on the same page here. <laughs> uh, so, so Moses was leading this massive party of people through the wilderness for 40 years. And he was like, cool. <laughs> um Praying, obviously, I, I see praying as more as meditation. So you, most of the, the solutions that you find are within yourself when you become still, when you, act, when, you, when you accept the situation and you internalize it and you see your own personal responses to it and what can be changed. Like when you become that, I, I love that whole quiet act of meditation um, on, on, on large problems. So he goes up onto the mountain and he gets quiet and he thinks about this big problem of I have to move this number of people to an unknown location. How am I going to keep everybody in line? And then the Ten Commandments start coming to you where you're like, cool, how do we stop like interpersonal violence happening? It's like um, if people, if like one guy doesn't want to take another man's woman, <laughs> that would help a lot. So then they won't want to kill each other. So it's all like controlling that population like most of our laws are just to keep us all in line so that we can function as society and move forward to an unknown location together that's what i believe so if you look at nature like animals kill animals to eat and they never eat more than they really need to that's why i hate like in the lion king where the, the, the hyenas get portrayed as like this unruly bunch of <laughs> of animals it's like, no, if you look in the wild, hyenas aren't just bringing down gazelles for the fun of it, you know? <laughs> they, they're no, eating when true. they need to, and they, they only hunt when they need to, because the energy that you expend to hunt is, must be rewarded with the, the food that you, that you get. But then that brings me to this whole idea of, like, obedience to God. And, and I saw it in your notes as well. Like, are we just being obedient to God so we can get the reward of heaven? So then if you strip away the heaven and hell scenario, like what are we then doing it for? Okay. So the question then for me um, that, that the, the psalmist in Psalm 8 um, say, asks, what is man that thou art mindful of him? What is man? Now, uh, not who is man, what is man? Yeah. So when we explore that in the biblical narrative, we go back to where God in the first creation story says, not just 
to himself, he says to the hosts of heaven, says, let us make man in our own image. So man was made in the image of God. Now what is this imago Dei? Because the word image comes in there. So when we are made um, in the image of God, is it that we are meant to mirror God-likeness within us at all times? But we're not God. It's, it's of the characteristics yeah. of God within us. And, and when he says, when we, let, us ma- let us make man in our own image, what was the purpose of, of, of saying that? He just, at the beginning, it, we, we read, God, God said, let there be light, and it was light. But in, in, in terms of, of, the, of the creation of man, it goes into a, into a almost a, a um, you know, when it he, when he comes to that part of the creation, he, say, he says, let us make it. This is, the, the us creates the, es, the, the, the extension of fellowship. Um, let us make it so there's going to be a very unique relationship between God and the, the creation of, of man, female and male, as, we are, as the story tells us. So based on, on the response to what is man that thou art mindful of him? What is man? Man is part of creation in which the personal characteristics of God is there to enable man to be in fellowship with God. And we go, we go further to the story where, when, where in terms of this relationship, um, God seeks Adam out. Adam, where are you? So, so an Adam is called into conversation with God, into a response to God, into revealing, like, Adam, here I'm, I'm present to you. Are you present to me? Yeah. Now, the other parts of creation have a different way, perhaps, of doing that. How are flowers present to God as God meets them? But we have, have, have got a, a, a way of communi- communi- communicating to God on a level that's un- almost unimaginable. And so what does Adam say? Adam responds in language, um, um, but 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 before we could even respond in language, God had to say to him, "Are you hiding?" So his silence was in, was inevitably saying, and and yeah, yeah, I want to bring in Eve. When when the the, the stories portrayed that the snake gave her a question she had to grapple with that response but inevitably it was interesting the snake doesn't have hands the snake didn't force her to take the 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 fruit she took the fruit fruit she but now what in her mind made her do that what is within us is there a dualism within us where we can respond to god in obedience in other words, in open fellowship with him, acknowledging that we're not God, he is God, that, he, that we are made in his image, we are connected to him, but we cannot be him in the way that he is he, uh, that he is God. So Eve then rationalized 
what was being asked of her and came to a conclusion, therefore an action. So now the battle was within because when a thought is, when you receive a thought into your mind, your whole being goes into action to try and analyze, try to understand what that means for you. Based on that, you make the choice of action. So yes, I agree, there is within us perhaps that dualistic um, uh, behavior, the choice-making yeah. process. Do I or don't I? If I do, what are the results thereof? If I don't, what will be the consequences thereof? Bringing us back to your favorite, third favorite uh, part of, the, of, of, of Bible reflection, for the wages of sin is death. What was the consequence? Is that when we when 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 the stories portray that humanity then decided that they would want to become God? What then happens? Something dies, something is lost. Not from God's side, but from our side. So we now have to live with the consequence of having taken the action. You know, the, the conversation between Tina and the serpent is fine. Because we can always dispute what the serpent is saying. You go back to um, Matthew chapter 4. Jesus and the devil in the... In the, in the, in the, um, the, um, the so, so the new Adam is faced with the devil in the, in the desert. Yeah. And he's able to counter everything the devil put into his way for temptation. So why was even Adam and Ad, why is even Adam not able to have done that? Why were we, in the original concept of humanity, uh, not able to do that? Why did we? Why were we? So we were given this, the sense of you can think about it, you can rationalize through it, you can get scientific proof about it. You can philosophize about it. You can theologize about it, but at the end you still have to make a choice. Yeah. Do you still want to remain in fellowship with, the, with God who created you? Or do you want to end up on the consequences of, so if you choose, if you don't choose God, what then are you choosing? And where will that lead you? I think Paul makes a very profound statement at the beginning of our reading. Sin must no longer rule in your mortal bodies so that you obey the desires of your natural self. So when the idea came that here is fruit, is it edible? You know, in the, in the imagination of the authors, a simple thing like fruit, which which is a, which we call in our language healthy. Yeah. Fruit is a healthy thing. And and even when it looked healthy, was it going to be holistically healthy for you if you make the decision to disobey God? To break fellowship with God. To no longer listen to what God asked of you to do. It, it's, 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 it's basically a simple thing. Lindsay, can you keep your word to yourself at all times? No. 
after <laughs> we break our own words. So that yeah. inner conversation with ourselves, we even walk away from. Why was that not possible for humans to do with God? If, if, if we're going back to original sin. But we do have a sense of him saying things to us. We can rational about, ra rationalize about it, but we still end up saying, what do we then choose? Do we remain in fellowship with God? Or yeah. do we break fellowship with Him? Because intentionally, we were made to be in fellowship with God. Uh, St. Francis of Assisi, uh, Lord, you've made us for your... Sorry, St. Augustine, you've made us for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Yeah. And this was coming out of his own experience in battle with the natural self and the desires of the natural self that he was battling with at the time. That's very interesting. Um, like like I, I, I always refer, refer to Moses and Mount Sinai um, and the coming of the Ten Commandments. Well, the <laughs> never mind, I won't make that flippant joke now. Um, where Moses never battled an unknown evil. He, his, his, his great battle was with other people. Like his hell was other yes. people. <laughs> like yes. Everybody well, else in the Bible who went into the wilderness was confronted by an other. And Moses yes. was confronted by people and their, and their failings and his own ultimate failings um, within himself. But then that yeah. takes me to 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 the the subject or, or the at least the question of of absolution and and what what is forgiveness and and confession like is is speaking and acknowledging your sin enough like um the in the conversation I had with with Marion um, which is as in the podcast feed as as a bonus episode um, I I have a lot of empathy for for addicts because drugs or I've I've had had my own personal personal um, duels. I won't call it battles because because I, I I never went far enough down the road um, to really call it a battle. But I've 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 had to walk away from drugs in my in my personal capacity, and it was one of the hardest things I've had to do because drugs are bigger than we are. Like it reacts with us on a chemical level that humans are just not able to. It's uh, what I told to Marion is is that. Parents should never feel that they've that they've let down their kids, because ninety percent of the time these stories come out of very good households where the kids never wanted for anything, and it was born out of that boredom of like not having to 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 need anything and go out and achieve anything that you start playing around with things. Um, at least that's my my personal experience and among my friends as well, and it it gives you a feeling inside that is greater than love it is equal to love it just makes you feel accept yourself in a way that that maybe you aren't able to in society especially if you um outcast um for for some reasons and it's about f the the way you get away from that is finding something that you can love more than drugs so a lot of the time, like confession and absolution and like forgiveness of sin is and, and then how you walk back from from committing sin to then being absolved of it is going back towards love. And that's ultimately like what that that's the, the disobedience. That's the reward 
that, that we are acting for is that love of God. That is what we're trying to achieve. Um, so so where, what, what, is, what is forgiveness of sin? If Like we've defined now what sin is according to various terms. And then, then what is forgiveness of sin? Okay. Let me just walk you back and saying what is different. In fact, let me say this. How, how, the, how the story of, of Eve and the snake plays itself off yeah. in every aspect of our lives when we have to make choices. Um, what, what is within us that seeks something from the outside to stimulate us on the inside mm. and then we delusionally define it as happiness. When, when we were made in the image of God, we are made in the image of God, why is it that we haven't found something on the inside that stimulates us to the point of where we say how he made me, who he made me, for what he made me, and that's all on the inside, um, I therefore can celebrate and choose that inside way of saying um, that I'm, I'm happy with myself on the inside because mm. God made me on the inside. But now, now, now the snakes, uh, in inverted commas, out there tell you that if you take this particular thing and it, and, and it hits the part of your brain that stimulates you beyond what you're experiencing now. What is it within us that says, hey, I want that experience. I want to explore this way. I want to also talk about the high I've never been on, but that others have been on. Why do I assume that makes me? And then... The experience itself, once you make the choice to do it, the, the, the illusion of the experience, it will make you high. But it doesn't tell you that if you go high, you have to come low. Mm. And now you're looking again for a high from the outside in. So the addiction then becomes, uh, 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 what's his name? So, so what is going on in the inside? That's that when it hears the outside stimulus that says it, like, like with the temptation, if you jump down from this precipice, you know, the angels are going to ensure that your toe doesn't even knock against the, the, the stone at the bottom. And can you imagine the applause you're going to get? Mm. I mean, that's a high. It will, it will, it will make, you, make you feel that high. So, so therefore, when we, when we are... Uh, there's a beautiful word that I love very much in here, in verse um, 19. Surrender yourselves. Mm. Now, surrendering comes from the inside. And therefore, when we say the words of, you know, when we think about what we've done that has caused hurt and pain and harm, to ourselves, because that's the one person we sin against. Creation is another, another um, others and God. So when we able to say with our heart and our minds and our whole being, I am sorry for what I have done. 
I have failed myself. Mm. I failed my creator. I failed my parents, the others. And in my actions, I may have abused creation in some, some way or the other. So when I make that confession, I need a language from the inside that says to me, I, uh, I'm, I'm repentant. And so we need to say the words. And we even go into kind of rituals, you know, kneeling is one way in which we show humility to the fact that we have hurt, we have dis destroyed a relationship. We, 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 with our bodies, show what our inside and our minds and our hearts are thinking. And so, thank God for the good use of language, where we're able to say the words, we, we are sorry, and we're now trying to help, and now the, the whole surrender of ourselves to trying to do better, entirely become... Um, slaves of righteousness for holy purposes mm. now now given that I realize that even when I say I'm sorry doesn't mean I have the, the full capacity in myself to to be redeemed mm. Paul says the one who made us had to do something for us that is why we are called the 17, but thanks be to God. Verse 18, you were set free from sin. Something that the one who made us had to do in order to, to bring us back into relationship, into the purposes of righteousness. Mm. So his act um, of freeing us from the enslavement to sin enables us to, that very action is a redemptive action. And those of us who embrace that action in our lives, inevitably hear through it, I forgive you. I redeemed you because I love you. So we hear that beautiful uh, text that may be part of your um, top uh, Bible verses, God loved the world so much. So redemption is an act of love that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him um, may have eternal life rather than death. God is about giving us life. Sin breathes death as we can definitely see. What happens to a person, uh, you know, who inevitably becomes enslaved to drugs. We see that one of the very important things about, about that experience is that they do not take care of themselves. Their, mm. public, their personal hygiene goes down. Drugs becomes the most important thing in their lives. They will inevitably, along the line of addiction, sell their soul for that fix. And it's interesting that drugs come with a whole new language. You need a fix. <laughs> mm. yeah, it's, almost, it's almost redemptive. No? The word fix is a redemption word. <laughs> You're broken now because of what I sold you earlier on. So you need something to break you down further, but this is going to fix you for a short while. But, but it's, it's, it's more complex <laughs> than that. Like, <laughs> I, I, really? I, in my conversation with, with, with Marion, I, I think we, we, we hit on an important uh, 
an important point where the the negative stigma is is a lot more harmful than the actual addiction and in many times it leads to to the most destructive parts of that addiction where like that's something that can happen to anybody like in my personal experience i i wasn't looking for anything i was just playing around with things like just i i um, for better or worse, I'm of the personality where I, I want to experience everything that this world has to offer, um, negative and positive. And if I like it, I'll do it again. And if it's positive to my life, I'll do it again. And the, the positive feeling, the overwhelming positive feeling that you get um, when you are on drugs, like like cocaine, for instance, it's, it's you at your very best. If you can imagine your very best self, like like a movie portrayal of yourself where you are successful and confident and amazing in every single way that you believe yourself to be when no one else is judging you. Like that is the feeling of cocaine. <laughs> and and that is a, it's a very seductive thing. And it, it's, indi it's indicative of how broken we are inside and that's that's where, where the the important word like fix that that that's what set me off now that's what triggered me was that word of fix is a lot of the times it's 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 males who are in households where the father isn't so so as much as in in the gbv um context of the conversation we had last week as much as i don't believe that there are differences between like men and women there are ways like like women are taught by their mothers to like in the old societal role gender role of like this is how you cook and then you you need to sit this way and like there's little things that like men can't teach girls like i can't teach my daughter how to um <laughs> care for her, <laughs> her personal bits you know because i don't have that i don't know what what it entails i don't know what sort of infections can happen like if you wipe the wrong way for instance um yeah so there are things that fathers pass down to to their sons and if you're growing up in a household where there isn't a father or the father is is not giving you that sort of care um where in in that situation in, in the marian situation there was maybe some alcoholism that was involved there where um she 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 says that the the way the the her late husband was with her daughters was not the same way that he was with her son so there wasn't that that caring sort of thing and then that breaks you inside um in in a little way like in my personal experience like my father wasn't around i had to find father figures in other places so there's a longing there's there's a crack in 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 your humanity that needs to be filled and drugs just gives you that feeling <laughs> where it doesn't mm. matter anymore that that part of you is broken because you don't feel it. You don't feel the burden of that, that crack. And then you just keep living in that world. Yeah. So the challenge here for me is wh why when the same person coming out of a broken home and is there anybody in this whole world that can say we didn't come from broken homes we didn't come from mm. perfect homes yeah right? we may have come from good homes the intention of goodness was there um why is it that the you see a drug probably cannot be sold if it's not marketed yeah right so how is it then that the message that the church had to bring when Vincent mark wrote his gospel 
his opening words is that this is the good news of Jesus Christ, mm. the Son of God. Why was that not as penetrable in, in our lives, in our minds, in our imaginations? Why did that not always become the attraction that the brokenness I've experienced as a human being together with other humans in the context of family and community and so on, why was it that the, the gospel did not find uh, a reference within us to be able to say, well, this, the person of Jesus is the one whom can fix the brokenness within us. And it's an illusion, Lindsay, and I'm challenging you here now, yeah. to think that everything the world offers must be experienced. Because you can't experience everything the world offers. You can only experience what's in your immediate circumstances. Now that the world is global, we have now a variety of stuff out there that may not be in our immediate context. But online shopping can cause that to come into your context because you're interested in what the hmm. message is. So did the church not sell the gospel as it should have? Have we failed people in the way we proclaimed the gospel, in the way that we preached the gospel? Um, was it too subjectively done? Uh, is that part of our brokenness? How does broken people preach good news? How, mm -hmm. how do those of us who are sinners and have heard the good news, preach good news to other sinners. Um, a bishop, uh, one of the bishops of, uh, Archbishop of Canterbury used to say, um, evangelism is one sinner telling, one, one beggar telling the other beggar where the bread is. <laughs> so why is it that we <laughs> were not telling the others in their brokenness that we've experienced, there is a morsel out there that can satisfy this longing for wholeness, this longing for healing, this, this longing for togetherness within ourselves, the emerging from our brokenness, the transition from the heap of the ashes of our sin. Why, why, was, why, was, why did some respond to the cross and the crucified Christ and the resurrection of Jesus that, that, that didn't stimulate us enough to be able to say um, what drugs were saying. Mm. Drugs came with a message that says, if you had this experience. And the same thing that is happening right now. Faith, the, the, the whole theme of faith and experience. Do I need experience to be able to say I believe? Yeah. So, for example, um, you know, certain church traditions would say, that unless you go through adult baptism, you haven't got the experience. Mm -hmm. Where do they come on that kind of, of understanding? How is grace experience? Because grace is given. Mm. Um, the, the, um, uh, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God's eternal life in union with Christ Jesus is there. Why would we now assume that if we take drugs or if we have extramarital affairs, that would 
and anything else if we have more money if we have more degrees if we have more of this that it will fix the brokenness within us because inevitably sin causes death within us brokenness is about death because the death is about is separation yeah it's because so, the so is, is, is tangible um, yeah so you have have psychology yeah you have psychologists like like uh, um, M. Scott Peck where he speaks about this thing within us because we inevitably when you look at the Adam and Eve story Eve was consumerizing and being consumerized and unt uh, and and so when we when we sub when we when we subject our humanity to consumerization we end up in a a this in an infected relationship with god of separation mm. because we've sold our humanity to become consumers when you enter into a relationship with your merchant directly or indirectly you've surrendered your humanity to become a consumer and the danger of consumerism it will consume you and that every thing that is marketable you will run after because you're longing to fill up an emptiness so do i really need the another jersey do i really need another car do i really need another of this all signs of our spiritual inward brokenness mm. who can fix god's free gift is eternal life and listen in union with christ jesus So yes we are all on the precipice of do i choose to follow the call to consumerism because the marketer is just so good or do i have within me where did the words of scripture come from that jesus was able to speak into the context of his temptation so in other words how have we filled our inner self with that which enables us to make positive choices at the end of the day what is good for me um so what conversations were held at home that uh helped me to understand the question uh, what is man that thou art mindful of him so what was man becoming in our homes what will we be coming in society under apartheid for example what message was given to us on a daily basis that made us feel less than what in our homes um we may not see this as being um an issue but when a parent ten shows the possibility of favoring one child over another what happens to the child that doesn't feel favored when a parent overfavors a child who is the only child in the home does that also not cause a form of brokenness because he doesn't answer the question what is man that thou art mindful of him so so that question is posed to god in fact the the the, the it talks about the sovereign god in psalm 8 um so inevitably 
whether we hold on to the philosophy of, e of evolution and science and all that, all those things are going to lead us back. Here's my thesis to God. Every question we explore philosophically, scientifically, um, materially, leads us back to that question. Lord, what have you really made us? Um, I just read a book that Dan Brown wrote, which is a fascinating book whose title I can't just come to now, where these questions are explored. I'm not, I, I'll get the title and maybe tell you next week about it, but I mm. found it fascinating because he's asking the relevant questions. Who are we? Where do we come from? And where are we going to? So when the, 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 the marketer tells me this product will answer those questions, am I not going to take it? Mm. So really the challenge is, what are the questions inside myself about who I am? And on that note, I think we can go into other points of reflection for the week, um, for, for the parish, Father. Uh, this has been a, a, a wonderful, deep exploration of, of faith and sin. Um, yeah, if you could just take it away and lead us into, in, into the prayers. To prayers, yeah. Thanks, Lindsay, for your um, provocative um, way of dealing with these questions. I'm not so sure that you're happy with all the responses I've given, but it's been a fascinating um, discussion. In our prayers today, we are called to give thanks to God with our whole hearts, and we are called to glorify God's name forever. The church teaches us that God is generous. So generous God, your love bids us welcome. Give your church an open heart and unite your gathered people into a true fellowship of your son. As we continue to give thanks to God and to glorify his name with our whole heart, we Thank this generous God for his son, who is a model of simple charity that this generous God has given to us. So Lord, transform our governance with such willing compassion. And here we pray especially for our government as it seeks to compassionately guide us through not just the economy, and every other aspect of life, but also through this COVID experience. May the hungry find food shared and the thirsty be revived. Here we thank God for every effort being made to feed those in less fortunate positions. Our whole hearts, with our whole hearts, we give thanks to God and glorify His name for as the generous God. We thank him that he's broken down the barriers that divide communities and increased hostilities. So Lord, extend the hands of friendship to soften hardened hearts and remove all that diminishes people's worth. 
as we give thanks to God with our whole heart and glorify His name. Knowing His generosity, we thank Him for pouring out His love and compassion on all who cry, How long, O Lord? Please shine your light into our darkness. With our hearts we glorify and give thanks to you, O Lord, for you are the generous God from whom we receive mercy and forgiveness and particularly on all who have died this past week. All whom we don't know and in particularly Denise Cain Cross whom we do know. Comfort, Lord, all who grieve and bring us to share in the reward of the righteous. Our prayers continue for, during this time of COVID-19, author of life, healer of the nations. Grant us courage and to face our trial, wisdom to find relief, faith to live responsibly, and grant us your salvation for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. My sisters and brothers, may the peace of Christ continue to be with you as we come to the concluding part of our service on this podcast today and give you the um, announcement that only in July month will we be reviewing the restart of the churches. On the Facebook, you will also find uh, letters from the bishop, which informs us about the gender-based violence and the problem that has arisen again uh, with the reality of children and, and women being abused and even killed, 21 in the last couple of weeks even during the COVID thing. And then also a letter to speak about um, funerals during this time, um, especially related to those whose death may have been caused by COVID or their death is suspected to have been COVID related. And um, so please read that for um, your, your information. And then we will continue to keep you informed and we thank you for continuing to support the soup kitchen as well as for supporting the, on the running of the church by your pledging and your giving. Go now as those who have been brought from death to life and welcome the Christ in all whom you meet. Present yourselves to God to be put to work in the service of righteousness. May God provide for you in mercy. May Christ Jesus grant you as greet you as you welcome the stranger. May the Holy Spirit lead you in the ways of sanctification and eternal life. And uh, before we send you off in peace, we want to thank Marion for sharing very courageously her testimony um, around the issue of drug addiction 
its effects on the individual and as well as on family life and on community as a whole. Let us now live in peace to love and serve the Lord and we do so in the name of Christ. Amen.